picture something with me. You're on a long road trip, sitting in the backseat of the car, fully engrossed in the screen in front of you. Headphones in, buttons being mashed, absolutely sure you're just one more push away from beating your all-time record. The miles and hours go by, but none of that matters because the world around you begins and ends with the pixels in front of your face. You're lost in the game and the experience. The funny part is, most of us today would complete that picture with the screen in question being your smartphone of choice, burning hours in the latest game you downloaded from someone's app store. But in fact, this story took place decades ago in the back of a 1993 Buick rolling down the interstate between Pennsylvania and Florida. The device, a Nintendo Game Boy. The game, Super Mario Land. The batteries, AA and somehow always dead or dying. That exact story is forever part of my personal gaming and technology past, and it's one that I'll remember fondly for life. Nintendo made it possible at a time when such experiences otherwise took place literally tethered to a TV in the living room that had better be off by bedtime. So this week, we're going to give Nintendo their well-earned moment in the spotlight to talk through their distant beginnings, pivotal contributions to our present, and likely undeniable role in the future. Whew. I finally found some more batteries, so let's play. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's Solid State Podcast. I'm your host, John Joyce. I'm Eric Sargent. And I'm Cody Toscano. We're back this week uh, with an oldie but a goodie. I hate that phrase, but it just sounds <laughs> right. Uh, no, we're, we're going back to one of our show formats that you know, we certainly enjoy. Um, you know, would love to hear if others do as much as we do, but it's, we're, we, we are, we're going in the way back machine this week. Nintendo, a history. And, the uh, way way back machine, all the way back to 1889. Apparently, that's I didn't realize. That's right. but yes, yeah. We figured when it came to history episodes, this one has about as much on a topic as as one could hope to have, because it is interesting from that perspective. We think about like some of the other big names that we talk about on this show a lot: Microsoft, Apple, like a lot, a lot, a lot of these brands. HP, they, they go back to you know some the 50s and 60s, most the 70s and 80s, and yep. A, that feels like a long time ago, but it wasn't. <laughs> well, uh, well, some of um, us, sure. But it's also interesting to think like Nintendo is a cornerstone brand, not just in gaming, but in technology. There are technological yeah. advances made as a result of their existence. There are certainly whole spaces of consumer tech that are the way they are because of how they were driven by a number of Nintendo products. And so when we talk about a company that's literally been around for, what, over 120, 130 some years, yeah, that's... That's quite a history in and of itself. So we definitely want to, you know, we, we like these episodes too because they're a little bit on the lighter side. Uh, but it's, I still think there's a lot of, there's a lot of through lines that come out of a walk through this kind of historical look back that yeah, further sure. inform what we're looking at in the future. So uh, with let's talk, let's talk Nintendo. Yeah, and that was what I mentioned before. That was what surprised me. They they started the company was founded in 1889, and they were a playing card company. Mm -hmm. which you know i get they just made you know regular old hearts and diamonds and spades you know playing cards right. and uh for for a long time too they did that for you know till 1949 so i mean you know they were <laughs> with before they started diversifying and then you know and then they're and the funny thing is and we see it now even with some of the the products they still use their first big partnership with somebody else to put you know things on their playing cards other than the regular stuff was with disney yep and in, in really? the you know yeah in the in the 50s they they went to the united states and looked around and in 58 they made a deal with disney to use disney characters on their playing cards so that they could start marketing them to families so they weren't just going to like gambling houses and selling and gambling houses for <laughs> poker or whatever they were actually you know getting them in homes kids wanted them because they had you know disney characters on the back of them and they yep. they sold hundreds of thousands of card packs with the Disney characters on them and it helped prop them up and basically probably funded the the stuff that allowed them to start developing different kinds of toys that eventually turned into the Famicom and NES that we all know and love. So yeah, it seems like they were hitting that like family dynamic. Like, yeah, because it was like, oh, we make games for everybody. So yeah, it looks like they were doing that from the very and, beginning. And it almost seems like a mistake too. I was reading through some some of the history stuff that I didn't know about because I, you know, I'm very up 
on the history from, you know, like 1986 on, because that's, mm-hmm. that's what we know the most of, cause that's the, right. you know, the actual Nintendo, Nintendo systems. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But apparently, you know, when they started like venturing into toy stuff, um, over there in Japan, they, they went out and there was a guy like on the factory floor who was, you know, punching out playing cards or whatever on their factory floor. And he had brought in a toy that he made at home for his kids. Cause he was an engineer and yep the president of Nintendo saw it and was like, okay, I need you to develop that into something real that we can manufacture. So he worked on that and then ended up being, they, they brought that guy into research and development and it ended up being their first toy. And he went on to develop all kinds of their initial toys that allowed them to fund video everything games else. in the yep. future that rolled into everything we know today. So it's pretty, it was a mistake. You know, the guy went down on the factory floor to see how everybody was doing and, oh, hey, this guy brought something in from home, the project, and it's perfect. Let's make it. Yeah, I think he ended up like working on the Game Boy, the original Game Boy, right? He may have. Yeah, I mean that that he was he was I know he was integral in developing the light gun, which was sold to other people first for like mm-hmm. at home shooting things on the TV or whatever, but then of course yep. ended up with the original Nintendo for Duck Hunt and all of that and it was a huge yep. staple. I mean, every kid who got a Nintendo remembers that light gun. Duck Hunt. So. I- yeah. Oh, that, yeah. that remains a piece of consumer tech that to this day, I, I remember as a child thinking about it this way, but even today I look at it and think that's just magical. That's, yeah. that's that, when, when you think about all the, yeah. <laughs> when you think about all the tech that isn't there, like there's mm. no camera tracking, there's no positional awareness, but you know what? If I pointed the dang thing at the bird and pulled the trigger, it died. And if I missed more or less, it missed like that's, to this day, that's amazing that that even was able to exist at the time that it did and that it frankly worked so well. Yeah. And the way they did it was so fascinating with, mm. you know, it would flash up a screen that had the like specific dots, an instant, yep. just a millisecond with the dots where the ducks were. And it would be able to detect where the light was shining. And it was like a camera that would detect yep. just those dots. And, and it was and for light the time dark. Yep. Yeah, it was it was insane that it was able to do that and as fast as it could. With that technology, because it was yeah, when I was a kid, it was magic. I was like, "This is still magic." Yeah, <laughs> right. How does this work? <laughs> and the, that that that's that's baked into Nintendo's DNA throughout. And we're I'm jumping all around. We're going to go through a much more chronological, you know, run through at least of the recent history here in a moment. But it, a direct like connection to that for me is um you know for, for my timeline when I was in college when the Wii was really you know spiking. Yeah. I remember like a, a, an engineer roommate of mine explaining because you unpack the Wii and part of it was this silver and black plastic bar that went on top of your TV. And you'd be forgiven for thinking that that was some sort of monitoring or camera, you know, that that was because it was part of the Wii motion controls. Mm -hmm. And at first glance, you're thinking, okay, this is like some crazy advanced magical piece of tech that they've, that they've bundled in that goes on top of my TV. And that's the secret of what allows the Wii modes to do motion. I mean, yes, they were required, but all they were was putting up, infrared light it was it was an ir bar that's all, that's all it, it was, was just two infrared lights that it could use for triangulation and that was it that it yep. could use for positional awareness and that's it which i mean obviously that is light years ahead of an array of dots on a tv being picked right. up by a light gun but you can mm. also still very clearly pun intended connect the dots from where they began to where that came to Definitely. and again i i remember using those wiimotes for the first time and again like with the you know eyes of a child thinking this is incredible nothing mm-hmm. else is like this and then you couldn't buy one for two years <laughs> right yeah that's another known part of nintendo life that we will get into here in a minute oh yeah, but, um, yeah. even products <laughs> yeah amiibos so, oh yeah all of it so we're not going to obviously torture our way through the entirety of their again 130 something year history i mean we've already touched on most of the earlier signposts yeah. founded in 1889 playing cards um i believe they got out into uh board games first came around in the early yep. 60s if memory serves and yeah, that they was did kind some of, board game stuff yep yep so it was kind of cards led into board games board games led into toys and then really because again this is a tech podcast um that ushers us into eric we were piecing this together the other day it was so for all of us ground zero i think we all is the nes yep. cody you and i probably have very specific very differing early memories like those foundational nintendo moments like i know i have one that was not the nes that we'll get to in a minute but like i still remember the nes i still remember what came after it um so 
ground zero for what I would think of as the modern Nintendo, as far as I can piece together, would be that NES in, I think it was 1986, right? Is what we... Yeah, I mean, it started, it was in it was in Japan a little bit earlier, obviously, and doing really well. And then they worked on getting it into stores in the United States after it was rebranded. But it was like, there was, in, and I was reading about this because it was interesting. So, and, and this is where they came in and just swung for the fences because video games were dying off in the, in right. the early 80s. Like arcades and stuff. Yeah, and Atari. Yeah. Like Atari had come out, but then Atari wasn't, innovating like their games no. weren't getting any better and then you know they were just you the same only thing play so much pong right exactly and, and you know in those kind of like a couple of dots on the screen sort of thing so when they were starting <laughs> they called it the video game crash of 1983 so like yep. you know people just weren't <laughs> buying video games and then in 85 they announced their inter- nes or well the famicom was in 85 in japan right and then in the u.s they were marketing it as the Nintendo entertainment system with Rob the robot or whatever to try to drum up the interest. But it, they, in 85, what I was reading was they only really had it. They had like demo centers where you could go try it out, but they weren't really selling it yet. And they weren't on store shelves in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until like early 86 and it wasn't like out for, you know, a holiday sale until probably Christmas 86 was when people could actually go and get it, which is actually when I got it. I remember waking mm. up, you know, Christmas morning, 1986. I remember getting the Nintendo Entertainment System. You know, those videos you see of kids like screaming holding their heads, Nintendo, their heads <laughs> off. That was me and my brother in 1986. <laughs> yeah. That. And then proceeded to play uh, Mario and Duck Hunt for the entirety of our Christmas vacation. And, you oh. know, and our parents were realizing what a mistake it was to buy us video games because we were never going to stop now. So. They brought the arcade into the home, you know? <laughs> well, and that, I mean, exactly, yeah. going back to, you know, hysteria being baked into our cultural DNA. I mean, that was also a real thing. I mean, it also happened around television. It happened around music. Yeah. But like that belief that like kids were just going to attach themselves to a TV and never <laughs> leave. Yeah, I exactly. Mean, you I mean, he started even before that. When you think about it, it the first the first yeah. instance of that they talk about again on you know on recent media anyway in in Stranger Things is D anD D. There was a yeah. huge hysteria about that. Yep. It, you know, that was just a game, but it was mm-hmm. it's like it's always these games that parents think are corrupting the youth. But yeah, I mean, it's Nintendo. <laughs> Nintendo was a big moment because I remember going to school after that. You know, in the few years following up after the Nintendo came out, and that was a real thing. Oh yeah, my mom and dad won't let me have a Nintendo because you know, and it was, was like there's some reason it was a yeah. thing. Like no, that, my that, parents that, would not that, allow that, me to have that. Even into the '90s, and we'll get to mine here in a minute. That that was a real thing for me. I mean, my, yeah. it, my I, I got a game console years after most of my friends, primarily because, and it was all from coming from a good place. <laughs> my parents were like, "If we get one of these, he's never going to go outside again." So <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. and they probably weren't super wrong Um, but but anyway um (laughs) and another quick piece of connective dna to another you know episode of our show that that announcement in the u.s that came before the 1986 launch if i remember correctly that was ces it was yeah they announced (laughs) they announced their game system at one of the early versions of ces yeah which is crazy like Cool stuff got announced. Yeah, happened. Yeah, right. Remember back in the day when real things happened at CES. I wonder. I I wonder. I wonder how many people walked out of that like announcement hall thinking, "Eh, vaporware." I don't think that was really a thing then, but yeah. But I mean, the (laughs) I don't mean the word, but I mean conceptually. I wonder how many people were like, "That was neat," and no one's ever going to be able to buy one. Well, yeah, it, it makes me wonder if people thought that it was possible, or if it was them like animating something to show because because when you think back i mean of course now it looks so primitive but if you think back on the graphics of the nes and then compare it to what you were seeing for the atari to to those ataris you were talking about literally what you said that advertisement that they used to use cody like bringing the arcade to your home (laughs) yeah they literally did that Mm -hmm. it was it was that level of graphics stuff you could only see going out pumping quarters into a machine you could now get that kind of stuff at home rather than two squares moving around on the screen Mm -hmm. shooting a line at each other you know it's like that, that had to be pretty revolutionary when that when that first happened. And then they iterated very fast after that. Like once that NES hit, I mean, it was yeah, only a few years, I think, before it was like five Super years, NES. four, five, six years, something like that before the, the Super Nintendo came out. Yep. And and that was yeah, August 91 uh, for us. And, in the US. and that was a big leap ahead in graphics big and especially forward. in sound as well. Mm-hmm. Like the, the kind of music that you could get with that was on another uh, level. I, one, one of my earlier memories um 
specifically to the SNES was the jump from, I guess it, it, for me, it probably would have been like Mario three would be, mm-hmm. would be my guess. Yep. The jump from that to Super Mario World. Like, yeah. talk about a graphical leap. Like, oh, Super yeah. Mario you were, World. I thought you were playing a cartoon back then. Yeah. Super yeah. Mario World remains today one of the best looking video games I've ever, like, mm-hmm. just aesthetically. Yeah, the like, style of it. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's just the actual look and feel of the game is one of the most well crafted examples of just a great video game that I and, can think of. And iconic sounds. Like, oh, yes. yeah. Like, when your character dies, like the one up mushrooms, mm-hmm. like all those kind of things, like every one of those sounds is ingrained in any gamer's head that started oh, yeah. on those systems. Yeah, the jumping sound, everything. Yeah, all of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I um this is like a dumb aside that's only relevant to me, but I'm gonna waste you guys' time with it. Um growing up, like we had like our main TV was out in the family room of the house, and it was just this massive big screen TV from the early eighties. Oh, um, the projection my, ones, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, my dad had won it in some company contest or whatever, because this was back when those TVs were like, even in money of the day, thousands and th- like an unreachable mm-hmm. piece of quote unquote technology for our family at the time. We yeah. had it because of that, um, and the sound went out on it for years, and. Mm-hmm. But because it was, this was in the '90s. It was from the early to mid '80s. So I mean, the the, the, the getting it fixed was very difficult. Mm. So for years, but that was the TV that because I wasn't allowed to have it. Going back to like fear of me never leaving the house. Even when we had an SNES, it was like it had to be in the family room. It could not go in my room. Mm. So I had to go out there to play it. So I go back to Super Mario World. It was years until I could hear. Super Mario. <laughs> That's funny. My earliest memories of Super Mario World was silence. Silence. Yeah, it was like a silent absolute movie. silence. And then we finally mm-hmm. found some local repair guy that specialized in like old RCA televisions or whatever it was. Yep. And for you know eighty bucks, we got the sound fixed. And I vividly remember hearing because going what triggered this memory was you guys talking about the sound. Mm. I knew the game like the back of my hand before I ever heard the sounds. And then you're right, the game changed completely. I mean. Yep. Yeah. Pun intended on game changing, like it, hearing it for the first time, already knowing it. So hitting the jump button and knowing exactly what Mario would do, but then hearing that I like those iconic sound effects of yeah. the, the mm-hmm. twisting jump and like the the, the power up mushrooms and jumping on Yoshi, like all yep. those things, all those things. Yeah, I hearing them for the first time, but knowing the game so well is like here we are again, thirty years later, and those things are literally burned in my brain as some of the most like fond memories of that experience yeah and and i mean that was so that was the start for me definitely i had both of those systems so that was the start of my gaming was i had the nes and then i got the snes later i actually got a sega from my parents and didn't like it and traded another buddy of mine who had an snes that wanted a sega so we just did a swap so I had, so I had the SNES. That, that was years. one of those like Sega first like what Nintendo, Eric. Yeah, right. Oh my yeah. gosh! <laughs> I was just gonna say like that was one of the earliest like technology religious debates that I could because all my friends you had Nintendo yep. kids and you had Sega, Sega kids. kids. Oh yeah, that was the you classic. You never, you never wanted to set off that powder keg unless you had nothing else to do that afternoon because it got brutal. <laughs> I mostly traded it because of the controller. I just remember mm-hmm. that Sega Genesis controller was like. It was just holding this massive thing in your hand with these giant like yeah, with six buttons, buttons like, on, the bump, bump, bump on it, you know. And okay. so I was just like, you, you know, you're I was not kind of... wrong, but that segues really well into another religious debate. And that I mentioned, like, I had a very specific early gaming memory that was yep. my, like my early, like my ground zero. Yeah. And for me, so for you, that that memory of like Christmas NES, and yeah. the NES yep. for me, it was the N64 mm-hmm. because. It was, I mean, I, again, as I've already said, I remember having an NES. I remember having an SNES, but I was so young. It was just that I didn't have a connection to us getting them. Like, I'm sure I was there when we got it, but I was so young. It's like one day I remembered us having a game console. Like, it was mm-hmm. just, I was, that was still like young enough. I didn't connect to it. I vividly remember the Christmas where my, my grandparents and my parents got together and got me that N64. I remember being at my grandparents' house and it had the extra controller, the, the GoldenEye was the pack-in, and there were mm. probably several others. Of course, GoldenEye was the one that I remember. Well, that was um, a yeah. old man. But, but that, that was like that. You're talking about leaps forward, but the connection to what you were saying about the Sega controller, um, the N64 controller 
is mm-hmm. again one of those religious debates where I obviously have a deep connection, like memory wise, to it. I'm also pretty sure I have like permanent wrist damage as <laughs> yeah. a result of a trying to correctly hold and use yeah. that controller. Uh, calluses um, on my palm from Mario Party, putting the stick yes. in circles, you know, with <laughs> trying to do the yep. mini games. <laughs> all, all of it. And, um, and, and a, another really cool piece of connective tissue to literally, well, not today, today, but the last week. So a week ago, um, GoldenEye was re-released mm-hmm. um, in a right. partnership between Microsoft and Rare and Nintendo. And like all the, it, it, GoldenEye is really, really interesting for a lot of reasons because everyone directly connects it to Nintendo because that's where you played. It was on the N64, but it was a rare property. And then it was obviously in production with what was, would have been at the time, the precursor for MGM because you, because you have James Bond, the video production, which was an, I forget the the studio at the time, but for our purposes, an MGM property, Mm -hmm. Nintendo was distribution. Rare was the developer. Microsoft has since many years ago bought rare. So if it makes that a Microsoft property, so like the web of bringing GoldenEye back to 2023 is itself a herculean undertaking but then another thing that i just want to take a quick you know left hand left turn aside because that's what we do on this show um i've intentionally played it this week on the switch Mm -hmm. and on um the xbox because it's available on the switch through their um n64 subscription Mm -hmm. and on xbox through rare replay which I already had. So do the opportunity to do that side-by-side comparison, I went in assuming, shame on me, that the <laughs> best possible experience to play GoldenEye would be on my Nintendo, on my Switch. <laughs> I heard it's unplayable. It, 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 uh, the the word I would have to use is unplayable. And for one, and here's, I, I promised I'd get there, um, for one reason and one reason only. It plays fine, it sounds fine, it looks fine. And by plays fine, I mean it doesn't like glitch out. The controls are unusable mm-hmm. because what they did on the Xbox, because going back to Microsoft owns Rare, Rare is of course going to take care of parent company, blah, blah, blah. Um, they did a custom controller remap for the Xbox. Like the second stick and stuff. Second stick. It makes mm-hmm. the control services effectively Halo-like versus mm-hmm. on the Switch, you're left trying to use a dual stick device like a single picture an n64 controller and then in your head try to equate all those surfaces to a place on your switch those are not logical places for your fingers to want to move to make that mm-hmm. thing work yeah. <laughs> and i know they have those n64 controllers you can get through the store blah 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 and i, I don't have one i haven't heard they're pretty they're sold out a lot of the time i've heard they they are they're really difficult to get but even just like i imagine even if i had that controller in my it would not be an enjoyable experience in 2023 because that single stick, I don't know how yeah. we did it guys. I mean, I know auto aim <laughs> was a big part of it. All right. Point J- yeah. point bond approximately near the bad guy. Yeah. Maybe going to shoot him half the time. Like n- no one was using the little red cross sites with any kind of frequency no. because you couldn't mm-hmm. move and use it. Just, just all of it was just a very special, uh, but that was like a, this week, even before I realized this was the show we were doing, I had like this, very nostalgic throwback to my early N64 days. But the irony, I had five minutes of that nostalgia ride on my modern Nintendo being my Switch, and I probably got five hours into it on my Xbox. On the other one. Things, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think is just really, really you know, funny, you know, uh, connective tissue back to you. Oh, yeah. Those I- days with the N64. On top of it being like even a shooter type game, even that Nintendo put on the console. Yeah, that was, know, that was a that. big deal back then. Yes, mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. To see it to you know the because violence in video games was already a thing then. Yep. Yeah, and coming more so every yeah. reason. Oh yeah, because yeah, that's right uh, around uh, the time Grand Theft Auto was coming out, and then everything blew up in that front. So yeah, think mm-hmm. about that iconic opening to GoldenEye because it's it's from the films, of course. But you've yep. got mm-hmm. Bond walking a three D air quotes Bond walking <laughs> out onto screen. Firing oh, yeah. off the shot and what co- and blood trickles down the screen. I mean, that's couldn't be more benign today. I remember because like, I didn't have one yet, but my friend had brought over his brand new N64. And of course, because that's how the world works, my mom walks into the room right as the, the blood, blood is screen. trickling down yep. the screen. She's like, what are, again, things I vividly remember. She's like, what are you guys doing? She didn't say anything, 
other than that. But I, right. I could hear, I'm like, well, it's going to be another year before I get one of these at least. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just knew that had ruined it That's for a it. while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, so, and again, they, they, that was where they kind of stalled, I think, because yeah. during that time way. they were in the middle, they were in the middle of trying to develop a CD-ROM attachment to the N64 so they could, you know, innovate and go into the future. And they pulled the plug out on it in the middle and their partner on that project was Sony. Sony took what they'd been working on with that CD-ROM and went and made the PlayStation, which came out. It was out, a big deal. You know, not too, yeah, it was a big deal, you know, and they lost, <laughs> Nintendo lost a lot of market share, mm-hmm. you know, after that. But they they didn't, like, what came after the, the next thing after the N64 was the GameCube. GameCube. And that was quite a distance in years apart like it was a bigger gap i think it was, uh, it was they uh, had go ahead, go ahead i think it was 2001 right or that's, 2002 that's around here that's right it, it was it was a you're right it was a pretty big leap of time but also just the gamecube had like you at that by that point you had your nintendo faithful that nintendo yep. dropped something they're going to buy it. We're going to pay it yeah. You can't see me do it, but I'm staring at Cody through this camera right now and thinking about all the times <laughs> we would be coming back from an on-site and he would have me pull off to the nearest GameStop because another uh, 3DS cover would drop that day and he mm-hmm. had to have it because Nintendo was dropping another 3DS cover. So, you know, yeah. those people exist even on this show. <laughs> um <laughs> Oh yeah, no the GameCube. I mean, I definitely had one of those when when Did they you? came yeah. out as well. Um, I went know, all it, in on that. Yeah, I, I mean, I love the GameCube because they they st- they were trying to innovate with the controls on the GameCube. Mm-hmm. They did. Yep. There was a there was a Final Fantasy game that came out that just got panned, but I loved it. It was Crystal Chronicles, mm-hmm. and you you could plug your Game Boy Advance into the um, GameCube and use it as a controller. So your character's stats and everything would be on mm. the screen of the Game Boy Advance and you're using it to control your character. And they had a thing where like four of you could be in the room playing four different characters and you could actually combine your powers on the screen by like overlapping your little spell circles or whatever mm-hmm. and it would make it more powerful. And it was a really fun, like it was the first kind of couch co op collaborative game that i'd really played i mean i'm sure yeah. they existed on pc and everything you know land parties and stuff but it was the first kind of console version of that that really gelled well and it was it was really enjoyable to to play that game you know when you're living with all the you know game boy advances plugged mm-hmm. into the gamecube it was fun yeah we can come back there's a through line obviously i think with the game boy you know being the controller there like you mentioned um but yeah, I think going from the, you mentioned the PlayStation, you know, going from the 64 to the GameCube, like the GameCube had the memory card, like, you know, it yep. had like the yeah, I just, disc, obviously, I think the uh, accessories, like you mentioned, I feel like this was like the explosion of accessories that uh, yeah. Nintendo would make for like their consoles. Um, Cause they even had the, uh, it would plug into the bottom, but you would plug in your Game Boy Advance game into it. And you can act well, the that's Game Boy right. player. It would go onto the bottom of the N64 play. and it had the little mm-hmm. slot in there to put your, your, that's mm. right. The Game Boy games in there. I forgot about that. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Once again, the controller obviously being the weird shape, like, yeah, that was <laughs> from any other controller. controller. <laughs> but am I remembering the, the GameCube though, did finally introduce dual stick? Like, was that, was that their first dual stick controller? So technically, yes. But the stick isn't like a right stick. It's a C okay. stick, right? It's it's oh, yeah, yeah, it's not like a right, right analog stick. Yeah. It was used for it was barely used. Like mm-hmm. some games took control of it, but it was never a move and look situation that mm-hmm. I remember in a game. That's so. true. Yep. No, it, right. it started to provide that functionality, but it wasn't necessarily like using a shooter in like like today's kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I thought so it was cool. I, I thought it was interesting real quick that we, we said, yeah, there was this, it, it, it was extended between the N64 and the GameCube. I, I had to look it up because I'm like, you know, now that I think about it, maybe because it was so long ago, they were actually averaging six years between releases at the time between mm-hmm. NES, SNES, N64. And then it was only four years between the really? N64 and it the GameCube. It felt long. It felt longer. And I think that's because what spurred that was the PlayStation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Because really, Man, they had to have been working on that like right away. Then the GameCube or something like. Well, I th- yeah, because well, I think they they would have had that partnership with Sony, mm-hmm. and then so that fell apart. So PlayStation hits. They start watching market share walk out the door, and they have to pivot into GameCube because what what I had also forgotten until I looked this up the 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 equivalent generations to the GameCube was the Sega Dreamcast, which again historically almost irrelevant but at the time yeah. you had your dreamcast people but mm, then there not was many that, of them but yeah right but, <laughs> but that was the generation of the ps2 and the original xbox yeah, yeah. and they that weren't was they weren't keeping up anymore at that point they became not, not a different technologically animal. right yeah. they, they, I, that for me that 2001 generation what would be nintendo 6th gen which was the, the gamecube generation that that for me was the inflection point where obviously up until that point it had mostly been nintendo and sega mm-hmm. sony had entered entered the game with playstation previous generation but really GameCube, PS2, Xbox, like sure, Dreamcast, whatever. Like that was when this space really, you know, blew wide open because you had all this competition coming from very, very deep pocketed companies. Like Microsoft mm-hmm. was looking for places to throw money. I mean, really. Oh, yeah. and, and they yeah. and boy, how did they throw money at it? When you think about what then followed with things like Halo and just like mm-hmm. how absolutely. That, I mean, Halo, if I, again, I didn't look this up, but if memory serves, was originally supposed to, supposed to be a third-person shooter for the Mac. Yeah, for Mac. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. But then ended up a first, the first-person shooter on the Xbox that really, mm-hmm. you know, Chris, and this is not a you know yeah. Xbox episode, but it's just like, what We're do you think about that? that? Yeah, that, that, that era, thing, right? Yeah. That generation was pivotal for the broader gaming space because we went from basically this more or less two-tiered Two arms person. race between Nintendo and Sega to, okay, Sony's entered the ring to, now Sega's basically fallen off the back burner and it's Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft. And what I think is interesting is that is effectively that 2001 time period. Fast forward, here we are in in 2023 same play I, that that's interesting it's the same yeah. play. we still have well, sony it, microsoft like, nintendo today i feel like at, that was the time where the conversation changed too like to me in my mind anyway it didn't it wasn't a three-person race necessarily it was a two-person race at that point between microsoft and sony and nintendo was doing their own thing so mm, most true. people that i know ended up having either playstation or an xbox and and whatever nintendo console because they could only get nintendo games on the nintendo but they were a different kind of game game. right you want to play mario you want to play zelda yeah Yeah. and that's true today i mean we're gonna go through the history of that that is you're right the you know the nintendo console continues to be the complementary console and i think that move actually predates this part of the conversation because i actually want to rewind real quick before we go too much further down the history that there was even within nintendo a parallel play going on this entire time and that was in the handheld space yeah mm-hmm. because through all these consoles nintendo had an entirely separate play going on in game boy Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, and, and no one else could really touch them. Sony tried, but it wasn't the same. No, yeah. my gosh, I had one and it was freaking, I think I had like six C batteries or something like yeah. that in the back. Like it was just the, the whole thing was just monstrous and ridiculous. But like when I think about the Game Boy and what that means to, you know, obviously the game console we know today exists in large, not solely, but in large part to the Nintendo game consoles. What I think is interesting is a huge reason for the modern smartphone i know this is a leap for in a lot of ways but like i think there's a lot of aspects of the modern smartphone that we talk about on this show so much goes back to the imperative that was started with here's a game boy put in your pocket put in your bag and take it anywhere and have this mobile entertainment it planted that seed yeah the relative shape the way you hold it yeah Mm -hmm. well and just the access i remember again like in the summers i would go i would go to work with my dad it was a lot of like a lot of time in in a a car um because of what he did and i remember summers you know in, in that car playing i mean playing tetris and mario just 
endlessly yep. on one of the big chunky original Game Boys. Mm-hmm. But like that, when I think about that today, that's the equivalent of, you know, the parent with their kid on the bus and the kid is playing whatever on a phone. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that, that was the, we'll call it 1992 equivalent of that. And like, there's just some very direct parallels to what went from the Game Boy to the Pocket to the Color. Then, you know, what, what Cody, the 3DS, I'm sorry, the DS and DXs mm, and whatnot um, mm-hmm. are, arrived on the scene, followed by the 3DS. The 3DS was or so, like it was one of the most widely selling consoles in the world for a very yeah. long time. That wasn't an oh, afterthought. Yeah. For a long time, the 3DS was Nintendo. It was yeah, where it was they primary. were selling stuff. Yep. It's where they were making money. I think I, I pretty much between the Wii still... and the Switch, like, oh yeah, they, yeah they, it, I don't it, think it, they'd be here the if it wasn't. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't. They wouldn't still be around in the conversation if it hadn't been for their Game Boy line. Oh not, yeah, not popped them relevant. up through several tough yeah. points. From from a relevance perspective, and and that segues really well back into kind of our timeline. So now that we've added like the mobile space to, because we're not going to go back and do a whole separate timeline. I mean, yes, there was Game Boy. It was incredible. It still is incredible. But then you know the Game Boy went through iterations, but it was still the Game Boy for a mm-hmm. very long time, really until it hit the DS slash 3DS era. Um, and that gets us into this next part we're going to talk about, which was. For me, the earliest example, like I can remember times like, oh, the N64 was a little hard to come by or, oh, this N64 game was a little hard to come by. I don't remember if the GameCube was ever hard to come by. Maybe it was. Mm-hmm. I just don't remember. The, yeah, I, don't, the, I don't remember it being hard. <laughs> the Wii was defined by its scarcity in its yep. earliest years. I remember the lead up and like the rumor mill around what it was going to do. Cause again, no one had done motion controls successfully like that before. Right. So I, I remember like the, the, the the teasers and the leaks and the this and like all, and it was all the so, rumors it was unexpected up to it. i think was the biggest thing like they came out with this whole new control scheme that no one had ever really done before it was totally innovative in the space yeah, everyone standing up in the living room they show yeah it was definitely very well, i think it was unexpected i was I, I think what the most unexpected part was that it worked I right. mean, real. Yeah, I, I, I remember the conversations <laughs> with. No, I seriously, I not to take a shot on, but I remember the the earlier we conversations with my friends, thinking you know it was that it was going to be a gimmick. It was going to be like every other attempt at some kind of motion control to date had been, which was like this ridiculously laggy. There was no one-to-one connection, just complete separation from what was happening on the screen. And they obviously even iterated on it even further with like those packs you could attack at the Wii motion motion plus. plus. Mm -hmm. Even just the launch Wii and picking up and using that for the first time, it wasn't one-to-one, but it was, I kind of think about it, like we said earlier about duck hunt using it and thinking i don't know how this works but it's incredible and just that led to this wee craze that was defined by its scarcity i've told the story on the show so i'm not going to do it again about like um my i think it was my second year of college was when our local best buy had gotten some and it was like it was the 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 that was the story of the year for us was that we all lucked into getting a Wii because mm-hmm. I think one person we knew by extension had one. That was our ability to play it. And then we suddenly all got to have one. And there was just this in our little circle, this cultural moment around the Wii. And that was that was going on everywhere. And what I wanted to ask you guys was what are your thoughts on Obviously, we're still right now living in a time of some things are very, very scarce, especially in the technology space because of the pandemic and because of the chip shortage and just all the stuff that's going on. Obviously, those things weren't going on in 2006. So Mm -hmm. was this legitimate Nintendo just the operational chops to make enough consoles or is scarcity part of their play? It's it's hard to tell that that far back. I mean, I I'd like to say that it was probably not intentional just because I think that they I think they underestimated it. I think that they hadn't had for a, two a lot years, of luck. though, because it, it sure seemed like that went on for a long time. Yeah, I, I just I don't. I, yeah, I mean, you're right. It was it was a long one. It You know, they. My, the only other reason for my devil's advocate on this yeah. is, Cody, this is another segue into this uh, generation. How scarce are some Amiibos? Uh, they're really scarce. Um, like, I, I get that, it. That's, that's I, why I want to agree with you because with Amiibos, they, they make like 
five of them and they'll ship like and, three to that store right. or like two and, to that store. And I get that. And I get that that's obviously a different play because those are collectibles and collectibles mm-hmm. are supposed to be rare because that's what creates sure. their value of a collection. But I still just think there's just this very specific thing that ties the scarcity of things like Amiibos that, that triggers my memories of like people crawling all over themselves to get a Wii or people paying Okay, I think about like the recent console shortages, people paying ridiculous amounts for PS5s and Xbox Series Xs, and thinking about what people were paying for. I want to say we um we's retailed for two forty nine, and um the people were paying upwards of five, six, seven hundred dollars at the time for them on eBay, and that was just like crazy. Oh yeah, I mean you, we saw that even with like the Xboxes and the PS5s, right? Like you know when they can't make them fast enough people will sell them online for way over yeah so not to sidetrack on the we I, I just want to mention that about the we specifically because it was a moment that, it was a huge that, moment that defined the mm. we for me well two things the we being amazing what it was and just i'll never forget how hard it was to get one and as you know basically adults at the time i will say that also created eric back to your story that same the the sense of joy i had the day i got my yeah. hands on one right yeah was like right up there with in the living room screaming jumping was, up and down was, yep. was right yeah. back to unwrapping that n64 in my yep. grandparents living room like it was a direct yeah. i remember getting it literally driving across the street to my apartment i lived across the street from a best buy that was a mistake um <laughs> yeah and like all, all of us have, but I remember it was because my, my apartment was the closest. So we all went back there and like, we were probably up for 20, you know, 20 or 30 hours just mm-hmm. playing everything we could get our hands on, you know, Wii sports and just all, all, all those games for endless hours. And just the excitement of like, cause we had heard about this thing and again, gotten to use one in little spurts because of people we knew, but never having direct access to one. And now there was one in our home yep. that was that was kid in the living room level of excitement that yeah. I, I don't know many things I've had that experience with since and um, continuing down the path of our history and then into the dark times and then yes. into the times that are, they can only be described as the Wii U. And, yeah. uh, it's, We've it's talked been, about it on a previous episode in the worst we, heck episode. So we yeah, ha- we have, so we won't beat the whole thing to death. And even so far back as I think we've mentioned on that episode too, Cody and I had another show back, you know, way, way back in the day. And it was so bad that not the show, well, the show was too, but um, it was so, it was so bad that um, it became a recurring trope on the show how few games there were available. Like we had both gotten Wii yeah, U the same year <laughs> yeah. and the desert wasteland that was the titles situation for that console. It's like neat. You spent $300. You got this thing that was kind of like a Wii, but not really as good. And OPS, by the way, there's nothing to do on it. Oh, and if you want to play anything even remotely meaningful, hope you still have your Wiimotes because the controller that comes in the box is basically unusable. Like, yeah. That was my I, memory of the Wii U. I think we were doing our like check-ins okay what has come out actually like did anything What's actually come out? Anything yeah yeah and then how many things that got announced and as i said we're mostly going to skip over this one because we've done the wii u many times already many things that got announced for the wii u never actually came to fruition until if the wii u was the dark times um this next iter- this next entry is quite literally Nintendo Dawn, riding yeah. on a white horse over a mountain <laughs> yeah. to save yeah. to, to save gaming because the Switch arrived mm-hmm. and the Switch was Nintendo coming full circle back to who they are. Um, I wouldn't say there was there's anything about the Switch that's quite like Duck Hunt or using a Wii motion controller for the first time level like oh my gosh how is this possible because let's face it we've done it at that point yeah well it it is. It is a feat of what it is in its simplicity, but it's not necessarily a feat of technology. It's frankly an out-of-date Android tablet with some controllers attached to the side that pop off and have stick drift. Like, like really, that's the, the technology isn't the story. The Switch is the story because it's relatively accessible in price compared to a lot of other things of its type. Yep. You, the access to Nintendo's catalog of games has mm-hmm. never been more readily accessible, both for modern and for past titles. Yep. And it's just, 
it just works. I have like that holdables mobile markets. I I don't think about the switch the same way. I think about all those game boys we had in our pocket for all those years, because the switch is still a pretty big device comparatively. It's It's mobile for sure. But Cody, I remember you and I going to conventions and literally carrying our three DSs around everywhere we went just to get street passes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That I loved my 3DS. I think the 3DS... I, I was, still love my 3DS. It was... Yeah. I think, you know, they're hitting this, like, obvious through line where, like, they're trying to do merge and make that hybrid place. But I think there was... Yeah, there was something about the 3DS being that portable. The, the, the true mobile play. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, again, the Switch is most absolutely mobile. I can mm-hmm. take it just about anywhere I want to go. Yeah. But for the most part, I... I, I my wardrobe does not lend itself to putting anything that large in a pocket. No. You know what I yeah. mean? Especially once you put something in any... Until the Genko jeans come back around and then you can oh, put it in those. I'm in. <laughs> oh, jeez. No. <laughs> that, that's a very different episode. But um, <laughs> but I, I just think that, that the, the Switch moment, because we talked about Nintendo being in a parallel place for all those years. You had yeah. what started as Game Boy, they became 3DS, riding alongside their consoles. And Cody, you know this better than most because you played both in a lot of cases, even the titles had parallels. It wasn't like there was the mobile version of Zelda. There was a different Zelda. There wasn't a Mm -hmm. mobile version of Mario. I mean, there was a whole different Mario. Like there were Mm -hmm. discrete, distinct titles in those IPs that were launched for the mobile console that the switch has kind of flipped that around because now you are buying breath of the wild and playing mm-hmm. it in your living room and on the bus. You're buying Mario Kart and playing on the back porch and on vacation or at your friend's house. And it's it's fall, that, that same singular title and experience mm-hmm. are following you everywhere you go. And that was unique for Nintendo especially. Yeah. Um, and that all began, that all started with the Switch. And I thought it was interesting. I remember you and I talking about when it happened. The 3DS lived on for quite yes. a while mm-hmm. into the Switch. A, because I don't think Nintendo wanted to turn that money faucet off just yet. But I think that was also a lesson learned from the Wii U. They knew they needed to get the Switch game library fully ramped up before Mm -hmm. they could turn off the 3DS. Because you want to talk about... I saw a picture one time of someone had stacked up every single released 3DS game, the actual cartridges (laughs) for it. Like The number of things that exist for the 3DS is shocking. Yeah, we could have a whole episode on it. Just on that library. We could do a series on just Mm -hmm. the game library for the 3DS. So that was a very response. At the time, I remember thinking, why is the 3DS? Like, why is it like games would get announced and then they would mention the 3DS version? I'm like, yeah, Mario Party 3DS. Yeah. (laughs) But then I had to slow down and realize that's why, because they knew they got panned to death with the Wii U about the the Wii basically died the Wii U replaced it and oh you better enjoy your Wii games because that's pretty much what you have to do on the Wii U for the foreseeable future and what turned out to be most of the life of the console yeah But the yeah, and I mean, and I mean the cool to, to put a to put a button on this and close up in the last couple of minutes that they're still they're still making those moments those kid in the living room moments because there was Absolutely. there was some scarcity with the switch and Getting that and having it under the tree for Christmas for my son created yep. that moment for him, mm-hmm. and and you yep. know that that was pretty cool to be able it to see for me the as as, thing, a, you know? as a full grown adult. It right. happened for me, so my, mm-hmm. my my connection to the and I'll wrap with this story for this because there's obviously you know to real quick button and obviously there's been now multiple iterations of the Switch. There was the Switch, then the Switch Lite, which was a smaller, even more portable version. I think they were going for more of that 3DS crowd because that was around when the 3DS was fully sunsetting. Yeah, mm-hmm. they did the Switch Lite. It was cheaper. It didn't dock to the TV. and It was meant to be more portable. And then, of course, you have now the Switch OLED, which is the, once it goes the other direction, it's even a little bit bigger. It's got a bigger display, a better display, more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, it was the the placeholder, we'll call it, for the Switch Pro that we're still, or the Switch 2, whatever it's going to be called, that we're still waiting yeah. on. Yeah, that I can't believe we've it, ever heard about. It, well, it needs more horsepower. But I also yeah. understand Nintendo... They going back to my original theory. I firmly believe they place they try to play scarcity to their advantage. Mm-hmm. To have launched a genuinely new switch in the middle of the chip shortage would have been scarcity they couldn't control. And mm-hmm. I think they watched Sony and Microsoft trying to peddle their consoles in a market where they literally couldn't deliver them. And yeah, as fun as it was to talk about, it also made people really mad. 
Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I think Nintendo is smart enough and has always been willing to play the long game. So as much as I want a new Switch, I understand why we haven't gotten one. But yeah. Um, that last bit of story I promised was my, my connection to the switch launch was, and this was, you know, going back to being, I got to be at whatever age I was, the, the kid in the living room. Um, I, I was unsuccessful in getting a pre-order in my pre-order actually got canceled. Thank you. Best buy. Um, cause yeah. they oversold pre-orders. I remember this. I remember yeah. Um, yeah. and I then tried for months to score another one unsuccessfully. So I remember it was launch morning of the switch and I was, you know, it was, you know, I, especially back then I was up at, you know, four, four thirty in the morning getting ready for work. And I was, I must've been grumpy cause I was especially loud and I woke my wife up while I was getting ready for work. And she's like, Hey, isn't this the switch day? I'm like, yeah. She's like, do you think there's any chance of me getting being able to get one i'm like no that's just just i've been trying for months to get again i was just being a gloomy grump about the whole thing and and i checked online i'm like well you know i'm not asking you but our local target claims that they're going to have some in stock you know when the store opens at whatever it was eight o'clock whatever she's like mm. well, we didn't live far from it she's like I- i'm gonna go try i'm like oh my gosh thank you so much and then i go about my morning i go to work and then several hours later i just i vividly remember getting a picture i didn't say anything well when she got there, she's like hey i got in line i feel like i'm pretty close but obviously if they have two of these things i'm not I'm, you know, right we're, we're screwed um I, the next thing I got quite a bit later was just a picture of the inside of a target bag with the switch, the, the pro controller and breath of the wild. And, um, I, I, I was the longest day of work of my life. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, so it was the inverse of the kid in the living room. Like yeah. I, it was, I was the kid waiting for summer vacation to start. I was yep. just staring at the clock the entire day wanting to get home <laughs> because I knew there was a switch waiting for me when I got there. And that was just like, and I think it was actually a Friday. I'm pretty sure it was a Friday drop. Cause again, I, yeah, just, I, I was really like remember that. like basically not sleeping for two days, much yeah, like when I was in college, yeah. was a great thing to get started with. So yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a good book end too, Cody. Because you've again, you have more direct connection to Nintendo than anyone else I know. I would say Breath of the Wild is up there for one of the best. It wasn't a pack in, but it was a day one. Like yes. one of the best day one launch titles in the history of gaming in general. Certainly Nintendo. Yeah, you. I mean, obviously looking back, like knowing what the game is, like yeah, you pretty much got a new console and like a really good like 60 hour game <laughs> to, to sink right. into like immediately after buying the thing Day that zero. you could take anywhere, right. That you could put on the TV, you could sell it. Yeah. So it, it worked yep. really well, honestly. <laughs> yep. So oh, yeah. no, that, that was really, really cool. So uh, that was, who that, that was a breakneck run through 130 yeah, some years of history. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, no, well, uh, with that uh, on that you know historical bombshell, yes. I think we'll wrap up our walk through uh, Nintendo's history. Watch for more of these in the future. Again, this is you know definitely the light. This is not breaking edge tech. This is games, but we've said it on many episodes at this point. Gaming is for us at least one of our direct connective tissues to you know our jobs have nothing to do with games. But I think a large portion of our jobs exist because of those kids in the living room unwrapping a console yep. and that being their draw into broader technology and the reasons why we have some of the things we use outside of gaming today. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, with that, anything you guys have to wrap us up? Not this time. I think we're good. Go out, and, right. go out and buy some games, I guess, if you can yeah, find them. Go get a street that's right. it's, it's a Friday. <laughs> go buy some games. Go watch the Nintendo Direct from this week where there was a, you know, that's not historical. So we kept that out today, but go check it out. There were some really cool announcements there. And uh, oh, yeah. if, if you love Goldeneye, go grab an Xbox. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. With that, we will uh, wrap it up and catch you next time. Later. Later. Later.